This is Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Hello there. Welcome to Life Elsewhere. I'm Norman B. Coming up, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show a singer, songwriter, and poet from Toronto, the very talented Barzan. Now, he has a new LP, Voyeurs in the Dark. And we're going to delve into this exceptional work and share with you cuts from the LP. First, you may have noticed in the last couple of editions of Life Elsewhere, I've begun the show with a few facts and figures on the use of firearms in America. Now I'm going to give you parts of my recent conversation with Dr. Benoit Kampmark. I asked him, how is America's gun fetish regarded by the rest of the world? Directly after Dr. Kampmark, we'll go straight into music from Barzan, followed by an in-depth conversation. I'm talking to Dr. Benoit Kampmark. He's a senior lecturer in the School of Global, Urban and Social Studies at RMIT University. This is a, a topic that I've discussed on talk radio for, gosh, for 30 years or more. And in the last 10 years or so, I've just given up on talking about it because it just does not seem that I can talk to anybody rationally. I can talk rationally, but it doesn't seem the conversation goes anywhere. When you talk about America's gun fetish, it's crazy, as you know. But there's another aspect to this, and that's the rest of the world. I talk to people all around the world who say to me, what's going on in America? What is it? So is this damaging America's standing in the world? over and above all the other things that have damaged America's reputation. But guns and, and, and the fetish for guns seems to be so overwhelmingly ludicrous. Your thoughts? Well, Norman, you raise a very interesting point regarding this, the perception of the U.S. outside, of course, the yeah. United States. Now, you have to remember that there, the U.S. does have a very uh, uh, large group of uh, intellectual devotees and followers and believers that it still maintains this notion of the idea. The idea of America is a grand thing, yeah. uh, whereas other countries have long since, uh, you know, not not adopted a mundane lifestyle or they've gone along with the humdrum of life, uh, making money and, uh, you know, developing technology and trying to get on with living. Whereas in the U.S., it's still rife with huge debates and problems associated with things such as guns, such as abortion. Yes. Such as these key issues that are fault lines in the country. And I think the, the way to see it is that, well, when we talk about external perceptions, I, don't, I, I think it's easy to make fun of the United States. And it's, of course, the butt of many jokes. It's a butt of a certain, uh, you know, um, there's a certain latent anti-Americanism, for example, in European, in the European intelligentsia. Uh, you know, these, what are these hicks doing with their guns and so on? Yes. But a lot of it is based also on perhaps just not understanding a specific component of American history, its evolution and so on. Guns yes. in the States, it's like dealing with capital punishment. It's like uh, dealing with these seemingly barbaric practices of the early Republic where 
debates are being held over what constitutes freedom, autonomy, and being free of the state. And guns are sort of a cover. It sounds like an old-fashioned idea, but guns in many ways are like a cover for political and and electoral impotence. And one doesn't really have much, but one can do something with a gun, but one can't do very much with the ballot box, for example. Yes. Um, and, and it's a kind of a way of substitution to have guns as an expression of one's worth. Um, so there are many people, of course, with their semi-automatics who won't necessarily resolve a dispute with a neighbor in a bloody way. But the problem is that in the U.S., there's this huge, um, speaking of pathologies, and I spoke about pathologizing de- despots and leaders before, but the condition of gun control is itself a pathology. It's pathologized by the context of who would have guns like this? Is it a case of medical illness? The NRA, of course, released a statement, albeit just a few lines, before promoting its huge gun fest, Memorial Weekend, of course, in Houston, where it said that um, we, of course, uh, abhor the violence in Uvalde, and we, of course, don't condone it. Um, but the fact is, it was just one deranged shooter. Yes. End of story. Leave us alone. Leave our guns alone. Um, you know, tackle tackle the the psychopath and the disturbed human. Don't tackle the gun. Right. Um, so that's and that's the perception that tends to run here. But in terms of whether it makes much of a difference, I don't think in the broader scheme of things. You know, um, other than the the normal prejudices and assumptions people outside the U.S. have. I I think there was a nice instance of this this particular behavior, and this wasn't with guns. This was to do with the elections. You know, when when Americans do their ritual, when they travel outside and they they apologize for their president. So, uh, you know, and and so this, this happened, of course, with George W. Bush. Um, and this, of course, happened with Trump. But uh, with uh, in the 2004 elections, when, of course, uh, uh, George W. Bush was reelected, The Guardian, if you remember, um, had made a, a, a very uh, unfortunate intervention in the U.S. election by essentially writing a very large note trying to encourage individuals to vote against Bush. And the response was furious and ferocious. I think there was one, I still remember one respondent, um, you know, saying, why don't you stick to your shitty little country yes. for the requirements? And why don't you brush your teeth, you bastards? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have our elections process and electoral process. We're not going to question yours. How about you just uh, let us do that stuff? And, and yeah. I think so. And there is ultimately, of course, uh, the, the American exceptionalist streak, at least the belief in their own concept, overcomes a lot of these issues as to what people think outside the U.S. And I think ultimately, um, if people are even aware of it, they don't really care, to be honest. This is Life Elsewhere, hosted by Norman B. Let us know what you think of our show. Send your comments to info at lifeelsewhere.co. That's C-O.
Voyeurs in the Dark from the new album by our very good friend, the, the, the one and only Mr. Barzan from the album of the same name, Voyeurs in the Dark. Now, for those of you who are not quite familiar with Barzan, he's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's a musician, he's a poet, and he's just an all-round lovely person. Barzan, welcome back to Life Elsewhere. Thanks, Norman. Yeah, it's, it's really good to be back. Always really good to see you. It's nice to see you, my friend. Let's get into it and talk about this album. We had you on, I think, around about Valentine's Day, and we touched on this title just a little bit. But refresh my memory and, and tell my audience, what are we talking about here? Voyeurs in the Dark. Yeah, that, well, that's, I'm still trying to figure that out for myself, to be honest, Norman, but I guess I, uh, I, if I were to explain it a little bit, um, I was trying to, I think, bring in a lot of different concepts or ideas that I was grappling with over the past few years into this album. Um, one of them, I think, is uh, how we, as a culture, have become voyeurs um, with uh, the influx of social media, um, uh, Instagram and social and Facebook and Twitter, it really has made us uh, into voyeurs. Um, so I find that to be a really fascinating concept and how, what is that really doing to us? Uh, the way we have a window into people's lives and the way that we also uh, uh, broadcast our own lives 24-7 out into the world. It's just really wild to watch this whole thing unfold. Um, and only, I think, time will tell uh, how this is going to really uh, show itself in, in, uh, in our lives, and especially in, in, in the next generation that grew up with this, are growing up with this, and don't know anything before that. Um, so that's, that's, I guess, one aspect of it. Uh, there's, there's many more, but I, I'm not going to try and to go on and on about it. <laughs> that's okay. I think you've said just the right amount. Mm -hmm. It really is um, a weird situation that social media has taken over to the, to the extent that it has, and that we, we seem to have become reliant upon it. Um, and by that, I mean, we, I know that I do. I go to my Twitter page as soon as I turn on my computer or I go to my phone. It's kind of weird. I'd never thought I would do that. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it, it does bring a feeling of connection. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's a whole slew of other feelings that come up, feeling of lack of connection or missing out. And yes. the, the list goes on and on and on. Yes. Yes, it's 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 opening Pandora's box every time you you go on social media, isn't it? It's it's so much. Yes. Let's talk about you for a moment. Let's go back in time. For my listeners again, that who are unfortunate that they haven't known about you for some time, <laughs> I first I first discovered you. I think the first song that I discovered and played on the radio was just more drugs. Was that the first one? It doesn't really matter, but let's go back in time. <laughs> tell, tell my audience just a little bit about Barzan. 
<laughs> the entity known as Barson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always a, oh, geez, that's, that's, oh my God, these, these questions, I thought we were going to get into them slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I've, I've been doing the music thing for, since I was teenager. Um, I started in various bands, uh, playing instruments, drums and guitars. And I think when I got the songwriting bug uh, in my early 20s and during university, it, uh, it sort of took over my life and I decided to really uh, learn the, the craft of it. Um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was studying to be, uh, well, I was studying literature. And so it felt like the perfect marriage uh, to bring in my love of uh, writing and poetry into uh, music. Yes. Um, and uh, I haven't uh, looked back. I've been, this, this album is my fifth album. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a, I love it. You know, it's once you get the songwriting bug, I think it's hard, uh, it's hard to let go of it. Um, there's something about your work that I've, I think I've told you on a number of occasions, and I know I've said it on the air, or I've tried to say it on the air, that it's something very, it captures my heart. And I, and I mean that in the most, uh, the most, the most generous way, but also the most simplistic way. You, you have a way of writing that there's words, there's words that you use, there's lines that you use. And I know I've said this to you before, uh, but there's this line that you've used once. And, uh, it says, I, I'll burn down the house. I'll burn it down with my desire. I just, ah, oh, gosh, if I could come up with those words, you have just a talent but you also have an ability to put your music together with arrangements and, and instrumentals that, that just work so incredibly well. And Voyeurs in the Dark is such a wonderful example about that. Tell me about putting the songs together, putting the words to music and the music mm -hmm. to the words. Mm -hmm. Well, first, thank you for those lovely words, Mom. Appreciate it. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that about the lyrics because I think, uh, you know, coming from a, a literature background, I, um, I, you know, one of the things I struggled with my writing was to uh, not get too convoluted in, in how I uh, use language because in poetry, as you, as you know, uh, you can really uh, become inaccessible in the way you use language. Um, and I gravitated towards writers who use language in a very simplistic, simplistic way. Uh, people like Raymond Carver, uh, Hemingway, um, Bukowski. They mm. really took they took the floweriness of the language, uh, or I guess poetry and just try to distill it into a very sort of poignant way of getting your point across. And for me, I've always tried to use that as my model. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, uh, the lyrics um, reach, reach you know, someone like yourself. Um, on the flip side of it, in terms of the instrumentation, um, 
because music, uh, you know, I'm not trained in music. Um, I really had to work on the arrangements and um, I was very, very lucky to surround myself with very talented musicians who uh, really helped me uh, uh, dress up the songs uh, because I think that uh, it's a very, I mean, it's, it's a very hard thing to do that. And sometimes um, albums I think suffer uh, if they're not properly, I guess, dressed up, if I can say it. Sometimes, I mean, I, my heroes are like Dylan and Cohen. They, they don't mm -hmm. really need to dress up their albums, but um, uh, I've always felt that for my own music, I needed to really dress, dress up those, those songs up. Um, so I had to really turn towards uh, uh, musicians around me to help me out. Now you, you say about turning to musicians to help you out, but I'm, I'm guessing that when you have a song, when you have the lyrics, you have an idea. I would say a very definite idea about how you want it to sound. So how do you put that across to the people that do help you out? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the, my process has been something like this. I will record uh, the guitar and the vocals and, and then I will take it to my guitarist and we will sit there um, sometimes for a full day and, you know, he'll try something and I'll listen and I'll be like, that's great. I liked what you did. Let's go down here. And so we just sort of uh, play. I mean, I'm just really just following him and seeing where he goes. And so based on that, uh, we come up with a whole bunch of stuff. And I will take that. I will take that day's worth, worth, day's worth of work and sift through it and try and piece together uh, a performance that makes sense. And then I will move on to my drummer. And then I will move on to the keyboard player. And I will do the same process. So it's a very, uh, this album, anyways, it was very much like a jigsaw puzzle uh, as opposed to say, bringing all the musicians into one yes. studio and playing at the same time, where uh, everything just kind of comes together all at once. So it's pretty... So it comes across the album Voyeurs in the Dark. On one level, it seems quite simplistic. Mm -hmm. But then when you listen carefully, it's far more complex than, than you... Then it it's a presents simplistically, but but on listening, it's it's a lot more complex. Yeah, I mean, um, complex. I, I think yeah, in the sense of the the textural sounds and uh, the melodies and and uh, the choice of harmonies, uh, the, the, a lot of thought went into it. But I, again, I think I try to apply uh, the same approach uh, that I take with my lyrics, the simplicity of it. Yes. I try and distill this, this the same, um, distill this, the ideas in melodies and arrangements so that it's not too, um, you're not hit with a whole bunch of stuff, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. I, I was wondering if, with, with writing, are you a good editor? Are you, are you good at editing your own work? Uh, when it comes to lyrics, I think 
it takes me a long time. Yeah, it takes me sometimes weeks. But if I yeah. sit, if I chip at it, I think I can figure out what works. Uh, but when I think of a good editor, I think of someone who's fast. So I, I would say I'm not fast, but I know uh, when I've hit on something that works for me. Let's play another cut. I want you to choose the music that we're going to slot into the program. There's uh, such a variety of songs to choose from here, but I'm going to ask you, Barzan, to choose another cut that we can hear. Whilst we're playing it, I want you to think about playing live. I know you've got a live concert coming up, and I just want to, I just want to hear from you about, I guess, the, the pros and cons of playing live. But what are we going to hear? What's the next one from Barzan? Mm-hmm. What do we play uh, a knife in, knife in water? Ah, this is so bizarre because I wanted to talk about this so much. <laughs> Knife right. in the water. Yes, here it is. And then we'll talk about it right after. This is Life Elsewhere.
Knife in the Water from Voyeurs in the Dark from our very good friend Barzan. Of course, me being me, I'm going to have to ask you, are you a fan of Roman Polanski? I am a fan. Yes, it's a, I know he's a controversial figure, but uh, yes. for the work that he's put out, I have to say that uh, he's a very consistent, uh, great filmmaker. Um, I, was, I was actually, I have to say, uh, Knife in the Water, which is his first film. Yes. I wouldn't say that would, that would be one of my favorites, um, but it's, uh, it's still a, a pretty great film for a first first uh, I, I would agree i would agree so let's talk about the song knife in the water before we get to talking about playing live talk to me about knife in the water barzan's version <laughs> yes uh well the, the the lyrics or the song i guess i would not say has anything directly to do with the film yeah um i really love the image uh knife in the water and i yes. just wanted to take it and use it for my own. Uh, I think that as a symbol, it's strong enough that it can really lend itself to any other uh, setting. And uh, to be honest, Norman, I, I didn't know what I was uh, writing about in this song. Uh, this was kind of an approach that I took with this with the whole album. I was, I was really trying to write from a, a stream of conscious, um, uh, not thinking too much about what sort of a message I want to get across. Yeah. Uh, and so I really just was working instinctually. The, the, uh, this title came to me and the rest of the lyrics sort of came and I just went with it. So this one, especially, it feels like a challenge. If I were to try and say what I was talking about, I feel like I would be doing injustice to it because I, <laughs> I really don't know. Um, yes. um, and I'm, I'm okay with that, to be honest. I think I, I, I was, I, I, it took me a long time to get to this place where I was okay with not knowing what I was talking yes, about. Yes, yes, <laughs> totally understand. And it is a great title, isn't it? And it does bring, it does give you mentally an image that is, is hard to dismiss, isn't it? Knife in the yeah. water. I love yes. it. Yes, yes. Playing live. You've got a concert coming up, I understand. Um, in, in Toronto? In Toronto, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you you play live, I know, um, and you've played in some interesting places over the years. For bars, I am playing live because I you you the, the process of making the songs for Voyeurs in the Dark is a long, extended process with the different musicians. Yet playing live is is right now it's right here you know it, you don't have time to sort of go oh how are we going to do this you go on stage and you got to do it so the difference for you in playing live and being in the studio yeah i i, I would say for me live has always been a frustrating experience because i haven't had the luxury uh to uh um have a consistent group of musicians to, to play with. Uh, oftentimes I will go to various musicians when a live show comes up and uh, we'll put together a, a live set pretty quickly. So, so I don't have the luxury of really just working out arrangements or um, experimenting. Uh, and that's where the frustration for me comes, uh, comes in. 
as opposed to say you were in a band where you get together weekly and you really right. can really develop the songs, experiment. Um, that has not been part of my repertoire. So I, I just I rely mostly on recordings as my outlet for for yeah. uh, expression and live. Unfortunately, is the way I promote the music. Uh, if, if I can use that term. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 Is an audience important to you? Do you react to the audience? Do you react to the audience reaction? I do. Yes. Um, it's 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 a wonderful energy to work to perform. Uh, I do have to say that when I see a good performer, um, uh, I will recognize my limitation as a performer um, because. A good performer will uh, will be reacting to an audience, and will really work work a crowd and feed off of that energy. Um, for me, because my performances are very um, sparse, I don't I have not developed the the performance muscle. Um, I don't really have a stage persona. You know, <laughs> my my stage persona is this. This yes. is who you get, and so. Um, sometimes when I'm on stage, I, I wish I could really uh, bring out a, a Tom Waits or a, a Nick Cave persona. But, you know, I, I never really put a lot of effort into developing that side of myself. But don't you think that your persona, as you say, it's this, this is what you get. That is, I mean, it's magnificent. It's, it's something which other people can't achieve. Other people don't have the ability to be Barzan. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, uh, and I think that there are people who, who, who do um, appreciate seeing somebody who's just trying to be themselves. And not to say like Tom Waits or Nick Cave are not being themselves. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that in the world of rock and roll and pop music, there's, a, uh, there's something that's really wonderful about the, the, the larger than life. Uh, spectacle of yes. shows that when you see it uh, it's lovely and it, it it would be nice to to be able to also give that to the audience so that's what I, I think, was talking about it. <laughs> yes yes you know with this album and with uh, some of your previous albums I've read reviews where people have dissected the lyrics and it always comes back to one thing that some point or another, they will say, this is very personal. Is it? You know, I have been, I have been trying, I've aimed for, for very personal in the last few albums. I think that was, my goal was to really reach a place that, where quote unquote, my, true self was speaking. Um, but I think for this one, uh, that wasn't my aim, even though uh, it might sound like it's a personal album. Um, I was not trying to write from that same place. Uh, yes. But I do agree that I think uh, personal has been one of my goals uh, uh, for using this medium to express myself. Do you have a fear in doing that, that you expose too much of yourself, or is that something that you really, you really want to get across? 
I think I wanted to get get across uh, the quote unquote the essence of myself. So I guess with that comes uh, a lot of exposure. But there's there is a there's a comfort where you can hide behind a recording. It um, so it feels safe. It's like uh, writing a novel where you, you know you, you just put it out in the world and people will just interact with that uh, intimate part of yourself. So that gives me comfort uh, that I don't have to make immediate contact with everyone. Although this feels very intimate and this feels very, uh, this feels very immediate. Yes. What we're doing right now. Yes. Right. Right. Is that, is that, I'm looking for the right word. Daunting is not the right word, but is that, are you a little apprehensive when we're having this very intimate conversation? No, no. Well, I mean, because you do this, you do, you know, you're, you're good at what you do. I mean, you make people feel comfortable. So, so it feels, uh, it's not apprehensive or daunting at all. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I appreciate that. Let's go back to talking more about the songs on the album. Um, as you, as we we just talked about knife in the water, and I wanted to pick on that one, one because of the Polanski reference, uh, but two because I love the song. I have to tell you that I like, I like the whole album, and and I I mean I'm not just Thank you. You, know, you know you know I think you know me well enough to know that I I I'm not just pandering to you. I'm wondering as I was as I was listening to the album again, and yet again. And, and as I was preparing to have this conversation with you, do you have favorites on albums, on your own albums? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, favorites in the sense that uh, what feels like came together and worked. Right. Um, versus uh, some songs, it just, for me, when I listen to it, it feels like, oh, I, it feels incomplete. I should have done this to that. So uh, there are certain songs that when I listen to it, it feels like it just came together and I can sit back and enjoy it. Yes. Let's play another cut. <laughs> okay. What should we hear? Uh, well, I picked the last one, though, so maybe I'll, I'll leave it to you to choose. No, 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 no. You, I want you to, if I was going to choose one, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to, okay. It's going to yeah. um, have to be, let me see here. Uh, oh, gosh, there's so many to choose from. Um, <laughs> to be missed in the end. Got to okay. play that one. We have okay. to play. We have to play that one. This is Life Elsewhere, and this is Basel.
just joining us my guest is barzan he has a brand new album it's called voyeurs in the dark that was a track from the album to be missed in the end there's such a poignancy in that song and i don't know whether it's me barzan but gosh it touched me like you were singing about parts of my life and i i i i just i just I recognized what you were saying. It, it, it touched me because it was just, we're talking about personal. Well, that to me was something which that song is something which I, I could say, you're talking about something that I experienced. I've experienced. Yeah. yeah Tell me yeah. about you and your experience and what that song, what that song is about. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that it, uh, it reached you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think for this song, I try to pack uh, uh, little vignettes of experiences uh, into, it's a very short song. So there's, 
there's a, there's not a lot of room. And so I think for me, I was sort of trying to put in various uh, various parts of my life, uh, various things that I've wrestled with, such as my uh, obsession with perfection, uh, chasing the masterpiece. I think um, any any songwriter could probably uh, relate to that. Um, so I don't know if, if it's really about one thing, but I, what I was trying to do with the chorus was to 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 say that it, in the end, though, all this effort, if, if I'm trying to uh, bring my life into a three-minute song, in the end, it feels like it's an effort to, to want to be remembered, uh, which, which I think really is a human need and a drive. Um, I think the line uh, that I use is comes from a Robert Haas poem. Uh, ah, it's it's okay. a it's a it's a loose kind of a borrowing, um, but basically what he's saying is that uh, you know at the bottom in the bottom of our, our heart to to want to be absent is the desire to be remembered. Yes, uh, and I can always relate to that because for me there is a great desire to be absent. Uh, um, and I used to always take that to be a very antisocial thing, but I, I actually think that it really is about wanting to, to be connected and to be remembered and missed. Yes, yes. So. Two things I want to ask you about on that song. There's a, it's not long, but there's, a, there's an instrumental part at the end. It, it goes into an in instrumental ending. Uh, mm -hmm. which, which I love, uh, and it, and I love because it it leaves me as a listener going, well, what else was he going to say, or was that was that all he needs to say? I mean, it gives you those questions, it asks you those questions. So another thing about to be missed in the end, I was wondering whether age and whether. Whether getting older is being something, not that you're, not you're an old man, but I was wondering whether whether maturing is something that is also involved in that song. Mm -hmm. I think I think so. I think that's um, I I am starting to feel uh, older. Yes, I yeah. think that's um, I've taken age my my age my uh, granted for a long time and yeah. now I'm starting to feel it. Um, yeah. So uh, I do believe that it's no accident that I chose that title, you know, there's, there is something about um, maybe sort of taking stock about where I am yes. musically, yes. Um, what I've done um, that I think is sort of showing itself through the song. Yes. It's a, it's a whole new thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting used to this whole aging process. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all though? I, it's, it's, <laughs> I, it's funny. You just said something which I can relate to is that I, I never thought about getting old, never thought about it. And then at some point something happens and you go, Oh, I'm older now. I'm, I'm no longer 
28. You know, it, it's, it's, I don't know what that's about, but it, but it happens. Voyeurs in the Dark is the title of Barzan's new album. I suggest to my listeners that this is a, a, a must listen. But I also suggest to my listeners that you check out Barzan's poetry. I'd like to touch on that very, very quickly, if you wouldn't mind. Just tell my listeners a little bit about some of your poetry. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I went... <laughs> I went to, uh, when I was, when I was a wee little lad, I wanted to be a writer and uh, um, I submitted my writing to a, a writing work, uh, class and it uh, was rejected. And uh, I, I, I sort of set aside my writing. It, it really was kind of something that I did privately. Um, I, I used it for, for songwriting but to, to really pursue it, um, to publish books was something that I kind of closed the, the door on that. Um, and in the, in the defense of that uh, professor who, who rejected my manuscript, I have to say that when I look back on those poems, I would have rejected myself as well. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was warranted. Um, but I have, I have continued to write despite um, uh, not really pursuing it uh, seriously. Um, and uh, it's it's very close to me. Um, poetry is uh, I have spent a, feels like a lifetime reading and thinking about it. Um, some of the most intimate voices I think uh, that I've heard have come through books, uh, uh, not only through music. And I think for me, that's that was the voice that I was trying to bring into my music was this direct, raw uh, way of speaking to another that I think I, I was trying to channel through writers. Um, and uh, so the reason I put together these couple of books uh, was really mainly to uh, have something to sell at shows. You know, usually people have t-shirts to sell. Yes. And uh, I just yeah. couldn't... Uh, I just couldn't put my name on t-shirts or think about the idea of people walking around with the name I Barzan. Love it. It. <laughs> so, I love it. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. The future, which sort of touched on it about getting older and maturing, but I'm thinking from a, from a poet, from a songwriter, from a musician point of view, is there sort of a, a game plan? Is there something that you've thought that you really want to achieve? There's, you've got Voyeurs in the Dark. This is your fifth album. What's next for Barzan? Yeah. What is next? Well, uh, I have, I, I got an opportunity to work on uh, two soundtracks. It was yes. something that I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been wonderful. I, I've really enjoyed it. So I, I hope that I get a chance to do more soundtrack work. Um, I have been producing uh, an album uh, for my wife, Diana, and that yes. was something that I always wanted to do as well, was to yes. really put on the producer's hat and just uh, boss people around from behind the studio. Ah, don't believe <laughs> so, that for a minute, but okay. <laughs> so I got to do that as well, which is great. Um, so to be honest, Norman, I'm, I'm 
I'm I'm good right now. You know, I've I've sort of checked off a lot on my yeah. off my uh, my bucket musical bucket list. Bucket list. Let me yeah. ask you. You, you, you I, we talked about you playing live fairly soon, but I want you to come to the United States and, yes. and do, a, do a little tour. Is that going to happen? I, I'd love to, Norman. You know, I booked a tour uh, in the U.S. years ago, and yes. it, it was a dismal tour. Uh, to not have a proper booking agent uh, can can really uh, you, you're setting yourself up for pretty, you know, long drives playing to two, three people. So I'm, uh, but I will, I will gladly come over and uh, play, play in your house though. That um, I would love. That, that, that would be, that would be fantastic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That would be a fun thing to do then to uh, go all the way to Portland to play to two people, <laughs> <laughs> which I have done. <laughs> let's, let's wrap the conversation up. Uh, as always, it is an absolute delight to talk to you. I, 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 I could spend hours just chatting with you and, and you and I will do this again like we did once before. We will spend, have an evening together and just, and just talk and just chat. Between now and then, let's play, let's close on another cut from the album. Don't force me to choose another one. You, okay. you, ha you have to choose one, Barzan. Yes. What are we going to hear? You know, let's do one, uh, for me, it, this feels a, a different, uh, a change. So uh, it's, uh, it's never too late to lose your life. Never too late, yes. We have been speaking to Barzan. The album is called Voyeurs in the Dark. Highly recommended. The link will be up at lifeelsewhere.co. Barzan, as always, thank you. And please give my warmest regards to Diane. Uh, it's, thank you so much for joining us at Life Elsewhere. It was my pleasure, uh, Norman. Thank you. You're, for, you know, I, I always feel honored to, to get such attention from you. So thank you so much for, for always having me on the show and letting me talk about what I love doing. So thank you. Really. My pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much indeed. Bye-bye now. Bye.
such beautiful music. It's never too late to lose your life from Barzan, from his most recent LP, Voyeurs in the Dark. Now, do let me know what you think of Life Elsewhere. My email address comes up in just a few moments. Make sure you jot it down, won't you? To take us up to the close, an instrumental piece from Barzan, the territory of you and me. Till next time, please be well, be safe, and of course, you know it makes sense. Be nice. Bye-bye. Listening to Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Life Elsewhere is written and produced by Norman B. Guest booking and additional research by Stephanie Lane. Behind the scenes assistance by James Van, Bruce Goodman, and Allison Klein. We love to hear what you think about Life Elsewhere. Send your questions, queries, and comments to info at lifeelsewhere.co. That's C-O. Mm-hmm.